morning, Africa, and welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Today is Monday, June the 6th, and here are some of the stories we are covering for you this morning. Authorities in southwest Nigeria are investigating a shooting Sunday that killed dozens of worshippers at a Catholic church. It's totally unacceptable. We are tired of people going to Georgia being killed. The head of the East African community says it's focusing on peace and security. The emerging situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo is of great concern. The ESC needs an immediate solution because these are two partner states. And a new memoir profiles the life of Dora Akunyiri. She is the former head of Nigeria's National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control and a passionate supporter of Ubuntu, the philosophy that stresses community over the individual. We'll have those stories plus sports coming up right here on Daybreak Africa. Stay tuned. And for our top story, state authorities and local police in Ondo State in southwestern Nigeria are investigating a shooting Sunday that killed dozens of worshippers attending a morning mass at a Catholic church. The killing by gunmen is the latest in a wave of attacks devastating Africa's most populous nation and has sparked condemnation. Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja. Ondo State Governor Rotimi Akiridolu confirmed the incident in a tweet Sunday calling the attack in the state's Owa area unprovoked and satanic. Akiridolu said, quote, It is a black Sunday in Owa. Our hearts are heavy, end quote. The governor was away in Abuja taking part in his party's primary elections ahead of next year's polls, but suspended the activities and returned to Ondo hours later with state security officials. Akiridolu said that the attackers will be hunted and made to pay. He also urged residents to remain calm and not resort to retaliation. There has been no claim of responsibility. Authorities did not comment on casualties, but a member of the House of Representatives in Owa, Adelegbe Timilain, said more than 50 worshippers were killed. Armed men invaded St. Francis Catholic Church in Owa during morning mass and opened fire. Eyewitnesses, including the parish priests, say the attackers also detonated explosives. The incident immediately sparked outrage. The Christian Association of Nigeria, or CAN, condemned the attack. Bayo Oladiji is a CAN spokesperson. Well, what happened in Owa today is nothing that an unprovoked attack on innocent people that are worshipping God. And to Christianity of Nigeria, is condemnable. It's totally unacceptable. We are tired of people going to church and being killed. State police and the national government have yet to issue official statements, but a spokesperson said police were responding to the incident. Church officials said many wounded worshippers are fighting for their lives in a hospital. Some residents launched a blood donation drive to help. Nigeria is seeing a wave of violence by armed gangs. One week ago, the prelate of the Methodist Church of Nigeria, Samuel Kanuuche, was kidnapped on his way to the airport in southeastern Abia State. He was released two days later after the church raised about $240,000 and paid the kidnappers. 
Kabir Adamu is a security analyst with Beacon Consulting, a risk management group. He says the community has a part to play in security. It's very important that we introduce monitoring and evaluation within the security sector. We also need to increase the participation of the communities in the security operations in these locations. And it is absolutely important that uh, everybody, the community, uh, the military all play a role. In recent years, Nigeria has struggled to stem armed violence arising in many regions of the country. Ondo wasn't one of them. It was widely believed to be one of the country's most peaceful states until now. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. Health experts said that counterfeit medical products continue to present a public health safety risk especially in low- and middle-income countries. In Nigeria, studies show that the consumption of counterfeit medicine is fueled by a lack of access to medical care and, in many cases, corruption in government institutions. But one Nigerian woman will always be remembered for having led the crusade against counterfeit medicine, taking on fraudulent drug manufacturers and suppliers. Dr. Dora Akunyili, who passed away this month in 2014, served as the Director General of Nigeria's National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control. Inspired by her sister's death from fake insulin, Dr. Akunyili spearheaded a crusade to raise awareness about the public health dangers posed by fake drugs. And the new memoir written by her daughter and author Chidiogo Akunyili says that Dr. Dora Akunyili was a Pan-Africanist driven by a sense of Ubuntu, an African philosophy that puts the importance of community over the individual. Chidiogo joins me to talk about her new book titled I Am Because We Are, an African Mother's Fight for the Soul of a Nation. It's a philosophy that I feel is a key to the future that we're looking to usher in. It's all about community. It's about understanding that not only everybody matters, but it's really important that we take care of each other because there's an interdependency. So taking care of another is taking care of self. And it's not even just humans taking care of the environment, taking care of of everything around us. So I feel that this is something that, rings so true to us um, and it happens to be as Africans in this case and is an African humanist philosophy and something that we have a familiarity with but there's been a lot of erosion of that and my mother's life in many ways was inviting us to reclaim the truth of this. And, and how were you able to successfully channel the voice of of your mother in this book? You know part of it feels like she was indeed telling her own story in the first person. Why was it important that we hear Professor Kunili's voice in the first person? And did she know that you would actually be writing this book at some point? Did, had you spoken to her before she passed? No, not at all. My mother passed in 2014 and it had not even crossed my mind, let alone uh, was able to share with her. In, in life, she had written a book on her work as the Director General of NAFDAQ, but it was a very very academic book, so to say. Um, there is no story of her life. Um, and I felt that was really something that, you know, 
when you touch millions, there's something about your life that needs to be shared. So with that being said, how did I connect with you writing in her voice? I, I share in the book how the inspiration to write the, this book, her book, came to me after she passed, almost like a whisper of an inspiration that I caught right away. And the, the whisper was right in my voice, right? And I, I kind of dismissed that because I thought, first of all, I could never do that. My mother's different sound, different personality. So I wrote the entire book in third person, telling you my mother's story. At some point, it was like my mother and some point my Dora and this. And then it was always this distance between the, the reader and my mother. And I felt that's not the essence of her. Her whole power is that you could feel her. She walks in and you're like, who is that woman? You know, there's something about her. And I wanted that to come across in the book. So writing in first person was a journey. And eventually when that happened, Happened and I stepped into my mother telling you her story. It felt right because then you could start feeling into this woman that I wanted to introduce to the world or reintroduce to so many who might have thought they knew her, but there's so much more to her than what anyone else might, what even I thought I knew. And it's writing in itself has been a discovery. That was author Chidiogo Akunyili, the daughter of the late Dr. Dora Akunyili a Nigerian public servant who was a well-known crusader against counterfeit medicines in her country. She was speaking to me from Hawaii. Tune in to part two of our conversation with Chidiogo Akunyili later this week. You're listening to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. Peace and security will be among the top priorities for the East African community. That's according to the head of the organization. The announcement comes as conflicts have escalated between East African community member states in recent years. Moses Javierimana reports from Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. The Secretary General of the East African Community, Peter Matuki, recently marked his first year in the office. For the occasion, he voted to prioritize peace and security in the region. Borders situations in our partner states is work in progress. The community is like a family, even at the lowest unit, a family level, you find there will be issues. But whenever issues are there, it doesn't mean that the family members will panic and run away and say that the, the, the family is breaking. No, there is always will, goodwill to resolve some of those things, these issues. There could be some border issues. I'm happy to report that there's very good progress and happening between some of the partner states, a good progress between Rwanda and Burundi, we must appreciate. Relations between Burundi and Rwanda have improved significantly since 2020 when President Evariste Ndaishimie took their office. Since then, there has been dialogue and high-level delegations have visited both capitals in efforts to normalize ties. Burundi closed its borders with neighboring Rwanda in 2015 when relations between the two countries deteriorated. The newly admitted member state in East African community, the Democratic Republic of Congo, has been at loggerheads with Rwanda, accusing Kigali of supporting the M23 rebels in the eastern DRC. George Odong is a Ugandan lawmaker for the East African Legislative Assembly. The emerging situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo is of great concern. The ESC needs an immediate solution because these are two partner states 
you know, considering that the Democratic Republic of Congo has just joined the ESC. So to engage in conflict really is mutually destructive. And as uh, the sooner we realize as partner states that we need to resolve these issues, the better. And I'm hoping that uh, that sense of urgency is injected in the process of resolving these matters within the frameworks of ESC. Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo has been grappling with attacks on the Congolese army by the rebels from the Islamist Allied Democratic Forces, ADF, and the March 23 movement, OM23. The violence has led to thousands of civilians fleeing to neighboring countries, including Uganda. Linus Ngompek is a lawmaker from the Ugandan parliament. We need our leaders to come together to have a better solution to these uh, conflicts. Our leaders in these areas or countries having conflicts do not trust each other. And if you don't trust each other, I assure you that the conflicts will never end. Yet if we were working together as heads of states of East African community, our defense systems will all come together and go to help a neighbor that is under attack. Despite deteriorating relations between the East African member states, efforts have been done to normalize ties between the member states, including at the heads of states meetings. Observers say they hope the East African community can help stabilize the situation in its newest member, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Moses Aviarimana, VOA Africa, Arusha, Tanzania. A commission of senior security and state officials from the troubled Central African Republic and Cameroon has agreed to jointly fight CAR rebels. Authorities say they are fleeing intensive fighting and infiltrating refugee camps in Cameroon. After concluding a meeting in the border town of Ngaundere, the delegation said they will jointly deploy their militaries to battle the proliferation of weapons abduction for ransom, attacks for supplies, and the illegal exploitation of minerals by rebels along their border. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé. Senior government and military officials from Cameroon and the Central African Republic, CAR, say rebels and armed groups are infiltrating border towns and villages. The officials ended a security commission meeting Friday in Gaoundere, a city in Cameroon on the border with the CAR. They say scores of civilians abducted for ransom are still being held by CAR rebels and armed groups. They also note that CAR rebels and armed groups are attacking border towns and villages for supplies. Kildadi Tageke Buka is the governor of Cameroon's Adamawa region where Gaundere is located. Buka says President Paul Bia of Cameroon and Faustin Ashkanji Twadera of the CAR say they are deeply concerned their plans to ease the circulation of people and goods across the border are being shattered by CAR arms groups and rebels. Buka spoke through the messaging app WhatsApp from Gaoundary. He says the two presidents want to immediately stop cattle theft, abductions for ransom, the proliferation of weapons and many other forms of transborder insecurity caused by CAR rebels and armed groups. 
Buka says Cameroon and the CAR want total peace to return to border localities so that civilians and goods can move freely across the border. Buka says rebel attacks and theft slow economic development and growth in border towns and villages. General Freddie Johnson Sakama, CAR's defense chief in charge of military operations, led his country's delegation to the Cameroon CAR Security Commission meeting. Sakama says the rebels and armed groups are escaping heavy fighting with forces of the United Nations Multidimensional Integrated Stabilization Mission in the Central African Republic or MINUSCA. Sakama says the proliferation of armed groups in the CAR is posing serious security threats to both the CAR and its neighbors, Cameroon, Chad, South Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Congo Brazzaville. He says the CAR military is commending efforts made by MINUSCA to bring peace to the CAR, but that is country is worried because rebels and armed groups fleeing MINUSCA forces are escaping to neighboring countries. Speaking on Cameroon State Broadcaster CRTV, Sakama said the CAR has agreed to collaborate with militaries of all neighboring states to put an end to mounting transborder insecurity caused by CAR rebels and armed groups. In March, the UN peacekeeping mission to the CAR MINUSCA said rebels left several towns where they were hiding on the border with Cameroon. MINUSCA said the CAR rebels were fighting to control border towns and villages and crossing the border to escape fighting with the CAR's military. Cameroon says some of the rebels are disguised as refugees. Paul Atanganji, Cameroon's Minister of Territorial Administration, visited Gajo Bajeri, a refugee camp on the border with the CAR this week. Certains ex-combattants viennent se cacher dans les camps de réfugiés. Et dans les camps de réfugiés, says many CAR rebels and armed group members infiltrate refugee camps in Cameroon with weapons and carry out illegal activities like selling ammunition and hard drugs to armed groups in Cameroon. She says refugees should not be surprised if joint troops from Cameroon and the CAR visit their camps to search and arrest CAR rebels or former rebels hiding in refugee camps and committing crimes. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Yawunde. Cameroon. Government, civil society, young people, and the private sector want urgent action taken for a healthy planet. And according to the United Nations, at least 9 million people from around the world die due to climate change. Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta was a co host of the Stockholm Plus 50, a two day summit which ended Friday. He urged the international community to accelerate actions to avert the environmental threats facing the world. Moreno Jambo reports. The world is facing multiple environmental crises of climate change, biodiversity loss and pollution. And the just-concluded Stockholm Plus 50 Summit is calling for an urgent environmental and economic transformation. Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta addressed the meeting. It is clear, Excellencies, that over the last 50 years, 
We have deepened our understanding of the grave environmental threat that we all face. We also recognize now that we either stand or fall together because the threat affects all of us across the globe. Unfortunately, despite this recognition, we have made less progress in terms of designing and implementing bold actions to address this threat. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says global well-being is in jeopardy due to environmental pollution. As we have become more populous and prosperous, our environmental footprint has become unbearably heavy. We are consuming at the rate of 1.7 planets a year. And if global consumption were at the level of the world's richest countries, we would need more than three planet Earth. We face a triple planetary crisis. Ecosystems degradation that are escalating the loss of biodiversity and compromise the well-being of more than 3 billion people. The UN says close to half of humanity is already in the climate danger zone and 15 times more likely to die from climate impacts such as extreme heat, floods and drought. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Maureen Ujiambo in Sacramento, California. And now it's time for Daybreak Africa Sports. And with that, we go to Abuja with Samson O'Malley. Good morning to you, Samson. Good Monday morning to you too, Jackson. We begin the sport with results from the 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifiers, where the race for the top sport in Group E was blown open on Sunday when the Central African Republic fought back to hold Ghana to a 1 1 draw in the 2023 African Cup of Nations qualification Group E match at the Estadio 11 de Novembro in Angola on Sunday afternoon. By virtue of that result, the White Beast recorded their maiden points in Group E and they are currently placed third on the standings having begun their qualifying campaign with a 2-1 defeat to Angola away on Wednesday. Coach Ado of the Black Star says his side didn't play so well. I think the team was not beat. We had a lot of long possession. Um, the problem was the goal we conceded. Um, this was a big problem because um, Central Africa was motivated by that. Um, and the last two we had we didn't have much runs in behind the uh, last line, so there we had problems to break through. Also on Sunday, Botswana frustrated Tunisia in their Group J match, which ended in a nil-nil draw at the Obed Itani Chilume Stadium in Francistown on Sunday afternoon. The draw saw the Zebras pick up their first point in Group J, having started a qualifying campaign with a narrow 1-0 defeat to Libya in Benghazi on Wednesday. Elsewhere, Malawi opened their 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifications account on a good note by inflicting a 2-1 defeat on Ethiopia. DR Congo succumbed to a disappointing 1-0 home defeat to Gabon, while Mustafa Mohamed's deflected strike in the 87th minute handed Egypt a slim 1-0 victory over a resolute Guinea side. And now to women's football. Double tones Tanzania and Morocco joined Nigeria in qualifying for the 2022 Women's Under-17 World Cup Finals in India at the weekend. Tanzania became the first ever East African nation to reach the finals with a comprehensive 5-1 aggregate win over Cameroon, who has played at the last two tournaments in athletics. 17-year-old Kenyan Emmanuel Wanyoye continued with his impressive form, winning the 800 meters title 
at the Rabat leg of the World Athletics Diamond League on Sunday night. Wan Yui, also the World Under-20 champion, won his race in a time of 1 minute 45.47 seconds ahead of Botswana's Nigel Amos, who came in second in 1 minute 45.66 seconds, and Toel Gabriel from France, who came third in 1 minute 45.71 seconds. Mary Morea won the women's race in a personal best time of 1 minute 58.93 seconds, beating her previous time of 1 minute 59.25 seconds from last year to complete a Kenyan double in the two-lap race. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, Jackson, in Washington. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at boaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are also on YouTube where you can watch our videos and our TV shows like Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Carpet. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa.